Welcome to the Audiobook Lovin' Series, a month-long event celebrating the authors and narrators that bring romance stories to life. Listen along as Viviana, enchantress of books, interviews your favorite writers and voices, share special guest posts, and stay tuned for some special information at the conclusion of the episode. Today I have the pleasure of chatting with guest narrator Samantha Cook. Welcome to Audiobook Lovin', Samantha. How are you? Thank you, and thanks for inviting me. I'm doing really well, thanks. I'm thrilled you're here. Let's start by having you tell us a little bit about yourself, how long you've been narrating, and how you became a narrator. Um, well, I've been narrating for about five years now, and uh, my background is in multiple things, including journalism, voiceover, um, acting, and, well, several other things, let's just say, and they all sort of led to this this perfect cocktail uh, that made me a good narrator. So um, it was a really great inspiration when I had the idea to become a narrator, and I will tell you how that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I was listening to, I, I'm a big podcast listener, and I kind of go in phases where I listen to more podcasts, or then I'll, you know, listen to more audiobooks, and I was in a really big podcast phase. And I was totally out of material and I'm like, okay, I need to find an audiobook. And so I started listening to several that were amazing. Um, and I, you know, I never would have even considered doing what they do. And then I listened to one that wasn't so amazing. And the whole time I'm like, has this person ever talked to a human being before? Cause I, it doesn't sound like it. And so I, the whole time out loud to myself, I kept saying, I can do better than this. And about, 10 times of me saying that made me go, oh, I could do better than this. <laughs> so <laughs> I started training and uh, investigating and became a narrator. And sometimes it happens like that when we find something and we're going, oh, I think I could do better. And then you just practice it a little bit and you're like, yes. Yeah. I just kind of wish that they would tell us while we were in like in high school when the question right. to come up about like, what do you want to be when you grow up? That being a narrator is actually one of them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> kind of cool. Um, my boyfriend and I, uh, his. I can't remember if it's a relative, so it doesn't really matter. Somebody's wife is a teacher in in Southern California, and they asked him to come do a career day um, at the school. And it was like a seventh, eighth grade class level. And he's like, well, why don't you come with me? So we both made a presentation and um, and talked to the kids about narrating. I don't know how many were that enthralled with the idea, but <laughs> hey, we, we told them about it. Once you get cast for a, a book, how do you go about preparing for it? Like, how do you prep it? Well, um, I, I do a quick skim through to see how sexy it is. Just so I have to like, I just like knowing what I'm getting myself into. Like, is it a, is it a super PG? Is it almost a G? Is it a super R? Um, so I kind of like to know where I'm going there. And then, uh, so I just, I take a quick skim through, you know, see who the major characters are. And then I do a search for accents. Um, and dial, I'd like every word you can think of for accent. I do a word search just to make sure I'm not, you know, caught off guard at the end of a book. Um, though, sorry, I'm, I'm going to digress for a moment. There are occasions when you're on the fourth book of a series mm-hmm. and the author says something about this person having an accent that they never said anything about before. And you've established a character for four books and you're like, oh. I have no idea what to do right now. They did <laughs> not tell me this when I first started. They probably hadn't even read the, like, written the book when I first started. But I'm like, you need to take narrators into account when you're writing people. <laughs> um, anyway, so that I do, I do that and um, I get to know my character. And then 
um, I was actually listening uh, to one of your interviews with Jason Clark, was it? Yeah. Okay. Um, And he was talking about, you were asking him about um, connecting with your co-narrator. So that's another thing that is important and getting together on pronunciations on, it depends how really complex the book is, whether or not you really need to prep together a ton. Um, I've had books where I've had all made up words and I had done the first book and then we were co-narrating the second book. So I had established all the pronunciations and accents already. So I had to record every word for him. This was not a problem. He was a really nice guy. Um, every word and all of my, you know, describe all of my characters and their accents because I sort of gave certain people English accents and certain people Scottish accents, but it was sort of arbitrary because I don't love doing a Scottish accent. So I was trying to make as many people British as I could. I mean, English. And um, so, yeah, it's just a lot of coordination with your co-narrator. But otherwise, it's just reading the book and having a good idea um, who the characters are before you go in to start recording. Some of these books can be pretty complex when it comes down to the number of characters that are within the Mm -hmm. story itself, as well as sometimes how the interaction goes with the leads. So how do you go about selecting how the characters are going to sound and their tones when it's something like that? Um, Besides their, you know, dialogue, then sort of establishing who they are. I look for physical characteristics. Like if somebody's described as really petite um, and like, you know, really cheery or something, then her voice will probably be a little bit higher because she's small and smaller people's voices are usually higher. Um, And also if she's sort of wry, then I get that tone to my voice. And I just really try, you know, when we are, when we do workshops as narrators, when you're talking about character building, it's not usually choosing a voice. It's what does that character do for you? Like, does it make you sit up and, and, you know, have your spine straight? And that kind of might make a person's voice a little tighter. It's just how you feel the character inside yourself. That's how it's supposed to work. It doesn't always, it's not always <laughs> successful, <laughs> but that's what I try to do. So, you know, there, there are little things. And if the bummer is when you're doing a, a multiple book series and all of the guys are described as having really deep voices and I'm like I can only make so many differentiations <laughs> yes. between these guys um so you know I try you just you just have to try yeah that's why yeah, I th- there's do. sometimes we tend to get these bigger casts because they're they're looking to do like a series and yeah. so it's always the best friend and then it's the neighbor and this and that and they're in a club together yeah. so they're constantly hanging out and you're going yeah. holy shit how am I supposed to do 10 guys I mean, not do them, but you know what? Voice them. <laughs> no, do ah, nice, <laughs> nice catch. Thanks. That is a that is a huge problem for romance mm-hmm. narrator women. I think probably more than men, but men probably have the problem. I've never talked to them about it um, because we have so many main male characters that go on and on and on and become the love interest in the next one. It is so tough trying to find a unique voice for every every guy. It just is. And you try to, you know, when I have a good attitude for him, it's one thing. But if it's just a kind of a more generic, you know, hot guy, that's a little tougher. So, and then you, a lot of times you don't know who's going to be the main character of another book. He's just like the quirky best friend. And so you might make him a little more sort of, I don't know, you know, weird sounding or sort of 
you know, like Herpy. a beach dude or something. Yeah. yeah. And then you go, oh, now he's like a total sex monster and I have to make him sound sexy. And I definitely <laughs> didn't make him sound sexy last time. So yeah, yeah. little yeah. adjustments have to be made. Yeah. When that happens, I had someone, um, come to me and ask me about how do I to do a review when it comes down to something like that. And I suggested that for an example, when I'm speaking, I hear myself sound a particular way, but mm -hmm. you will hear me completely different in your ear. Right. And so right. when the, that happens and the character sounds a little, you know, let's say beachy, you know, and yeah. for book one, and then they, they're listening to book two and they're now the sex God, you know, of the, yeah. the audio book. Yeah they're like oh yeah you're right and i'm like yeah so that tends to kind of that mindset for the listener slash reader um that do, does the reviews there's always something kind of like that i try to provide them with that guidance is we all sound different just like when i have to listen to my podcasts and for editing i'm going oh my god yeah <laughs> it sounds so bad yeah i know the feeling yeah and you're right and you're right i mean you know depending on your mood depending on your you know, tone of voice when you, you know, what time of the day it is, because when you wake up, it's more gravelly. Um, and whether or not your voice is tired or anything, there are so many different ways and actually, you know, one person can sound. So I, I give myself a little bit of leeway that way, but really the best narrators are people who are super consistent between books. And I love that. I, I love when I'm into a character that they sound the same in the next book. Because I like them enough, and I'm, I would notice if they changed. Yeah, that's one of when people sometimes tend to get a little, uh, the listeners get a little bit perturbed when narrators are swapped out within oh, a series. Yeah, we know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I'm totally okay with that if it's like a different couple, because there's some, there's two different types, there's multiple different types of books, but either yeah. it's the same couple that has an, a larger arc, so they go across the entire series. So that makes sense right. to keep the same narrators, but if they're different couples, you yeah. know, I'm like, that's okay. Yeah. Switch it up a bit. You know, I'm yeah. fine with that. Yeah. I'm, yeah. It's, it, yeah. To me, the, the biggest problem the audience usually has is when you're actually in a really long series and it's like one main character or two main characters and somebody has to take over the series for whatever reason. Um, yeah. And we, we all know that that's, that's a tough sell. Do you, um, when you have, have you ever had to do that before? Pick up a series from another? Yes, <laughs> I have. I mean, I'm trying to think of whether or not I've actually taken over a series or not. Um, I did take over a series, but it was, it's a different couple in every book. Um, I, I do the entire book, like every couple now. I've done, I don't know how many in the series. I've done a lot of them in the series. And there was a woman before me who did it, but I don't know that, I mean, I don't know if all of them are pretty well standalone. Mm -hmm. So I don't remember seeing anybody say, oh my God, I wish she, that other girl was, st was still doing them. Cause I, especially now I've been doing them for so long. Um, so that was one that's basically a takeover. And then another one was an offshoot of a series that was completed. So it was like the children of the main characters. And so they had a new story. Um, but people were not happy when, when they heard my voice at first because they really wanted the original narrator and she's amazing. She's actually um, really my favorite narrator and I, somebody I, I learned a lot from. And when I found out that I was doing this series, I'm like, Oh no. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, <laughs> I think that's like a dread. So well. Yeah. I think that's a dread for most narrators is having to pick up a series from somebody else. 
and kind of step in. It's it's one of those like, yeah. oh shit. Yes, it is. It's it's tough. It's it's you know, and you have to figure out whether or not you're actually going to attempt to sort of sound like them, or if you're just going to make it your own. And there have been times. In fact, um, I was recently cast for a book that ended up getting canceled. First time this ever happened. Um, but one narrator was, was doing the book and she went on maternity leave. So she wasn't available for the second book and they wanted a voice match for her in the first book. So I did, I had to do an audition and make myself sound like her. And, um, apparently I did, but it would have been tough to maintain that. The I was going to say, yeah, that's difficult. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, she just, she had a more, a little more, you know, lower gravelly voice than I do. So I would just have to be tired every time I said, <laughs> um, but they it ended up getting, getting canceled anyway. So it didn't matter. You have mentioned accents and how the Scottish accent is not really your favorite. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, um, so what is your favorite accent to perform? For sure. RP English, uh, received pronunciation, which is like Emma Thompson, Jane Austen kind of stuff. Um, that's like my absolute favorite when I, before I even started narrating, when I was just bored at another job, I would just be British for the entire day and nobody would know. <laughs> so like, I, I, I love doing that accent whenever I get a, um, a project I can do that accent and I am, I am a happy camper. Now is Scottish not your favorite for a particular reason or is it hard for you? Cause I know sometimes it's hard. It's a really <laughs> hard accent. <laughs> Um, and, and when I, I get mental blocks about some accents, cause I just, I, I'm like, I'm bad at this. I'm never going to be good at it. And even if, even if I really work on it, I know it's coming and I'm like, oh no, oh no, here it comes. <laughs> so, um, so I think a lot of it is that I just Scottish, there's so many weird vowel movements with, um, with Scottish and it's really hard to wrap your mouth around sometimes. And Various accents are like that. And some, you know, just come more easily. Southern, Southern is another one that I love doing. I mean, those are pretty basic, but they're really fun. Southern can be really, really fun. People tend to be very particular that, this, you know, like a Texas accent is nothing like uh, an Alabama accent or a Georgia accent or, you know, stuff like that, even within some of the cities. I'm going, oh, it's just a Southern accent, people. Um. <laughs> you know, that the problem is that, that even within that city, there yes. might be a bunch of different accents and especially with sort of more people moving around and urbanization there are people moving from all over the country to different parts of the country so there are so many accents that take place i try not to be too hard on myself i do as much research as i can but even there's this um there's this accent sort of catalog that a bunch of us use uh to research and it's real people just saying the same sentences out loud um, like, or paragraphs or whatever. And so you're hearing all of the different things they do. But I, for instance, recently had to audition for something for a woman with an, an Arkansas accent. And I didn't want to do, you know, what I assumed it was. So I started listening and every single example was slightly different, like, di but different enough that it was noticeable. And I'm like, I don't know what, which, you know, which one is accurate. I'm just going to go based on the one that speaks to me the most. Um, cause they all sounded different. They were all from Arkansas and it was specifically asked me to do an Arkansas accent, but I'm like, this is an Arkansas accent. I mean, this isn't, sorry. I didn't, I, I didn't, mean, I didn't mean to represent that yeah. um, just now, but yeah, you know, I was like, well, this is one. I don't know if it's the one you want. 
I think it's as long as it's like loosely enough that we can pick it up that it's a Southern accent or if it's like someone from Boston or, you know, that have that bit of New York or whatever the case is for it to go, oh, okay, got it, got it. Because otherwise it's really well, hard, you know, too, to have to get is. and nail these. Well, there is, you know, there's schools of thought on accents. And one is that you have to do it absolutely perfectly. Every single intonation is right. And another is you just give it a very light accent and just a hint of it. And people will be like, okay, I know that guy's Russian or I know that guy's whatever. And especially, so my boyfriend is actually an audiobook coach. And so uh, I actually took a class from him before we started dating. And this, but not from that. It's not like he dates his students. We were friends, all, <laughs> we were friends by, the, by that time as well. Oh, that um, sounds like a book right there. So, That's a romance book. Um, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Yes. But one of the things he said, in, I, I was at, it was actually an accent um, workshop. And he said, especially if you're not super comfortable with it, start with a hint of the accent. And there are different tricks you can do to like make a person sound like they have an accent, even mm -hmm. if you're really not doing one. And then sort of end with a, a hint of an accent and the, you know, the listener, their brains will fill in the rest. Yeah. So, you know, if somebody has a really light accent or you know, pretty close to the accent. I can, it's, if they're a good storyteller and I'm enjoying the rest of the book, I'm not going to complain about that at all. So, you know, it, it just depends on how you want to go at it. Is it a really strong accent or is it just a touch of one to give listeners the feeling of who this person is? Yeah. And I think the biggest thing is also to make sure that it's never like a caricature of something. Yeah. Because you can still yes. do that, like with the Irish accent or even the Scottish accent. Yeah. Some of that so oh totally <laughs> yeah one thing that one thing that um i've heard a bunch from accent people is you know if you're trying to learn scottish for instance go to the caricature first learn all of it and then back way off huh. but then you can get all of them you know the really crazy different things you have to do to make that that accent work but then take it way back from from that caricature so like um you know if you want to learn scottish then you go to Shrek and Mike Myers, but you don't do Shrek. You do something else. Mm -hmm. But you know, if you're just going to learn the basics of it. The other thing too, that's been changing a lot in the industry, as far as audiobooks goes, is the different types of POVs uh, and, and narrating styles. And, you know, between duet, duel and solo, um, do you have a favorite to perform when it comes down to audiobooks? I actually have not done a duet yet. I'm very much looking forward to it. Uh, my boyfriend and I told Lauren Blakely that we would be happy to do a <laughs> duet since we can share a booth, um, but it hasn't happened yet. Um, she, because we just did a series, uh, booked in her most recent release, we did a novella together, which was our first book together. And um, with, she hadn't read it, written it yet when she asked if we wanted to do it. And we're like, just so you know, we can do duet. Uh, but yeah, we didn't do it. Um, but um, I like, I think I like definitely first person. I think there's not going to be a single narrator that doesn't say first person is their favorite uh, POV. But I, I do like it better when I have a co-narrator because it's just hard to change between the male and female. And it's, I, I mean, as a listener, I prefer it when the guy's POV is done by a guy. So um, it's not like I want, it's not like I, I, I do them all the time where I'm doing the entire book, male and female. Usually it's third person, obviously. Um, but I, in terms of doing it myself, I like, I like having a partner to play off of a little bit. 
Yes, it's, it's something too that a lot of them have said about being able to have somebody to work things off of and bounce ideas yeah. and just kind of check in. And especially yeah. like even when they do like the multicast and the duet, it's be able to kind of act off each other and kind of get that vibe. Totally. Yeah. It's, it's just a different world when you're able to do that. Um, yeah. It's, yeah, you can picture it. Actually, speaking of that, my boyfriend, uh, sorry, I don't mean to keep bringing him up, but um, he's in the house recording right now, so it's hard not to think about him. Um, <laughs> when we were doing the book that we recorded together, he actually was so sweet. He went through and recorded every one of his lines of dialogue for me, every single one, so I could react to him, him saying it. Aww. And and so that I could do him better, his his dialogue in my chapters. It was great. It was fantastic. I you know I don't get that opportunity very often, but I I have to say it was pretty pretty great. Yeah, because it's sometimes the um the co-narrative that you've been you know paired up to sometimes definitely has a specific cadence or a specific kind of accent yeah. and a tone yeah. and you know you kind of hear it in your in your head a little bit because like I sometimes hear you guys when I'm you know you know fixing a script or even doing the book first because it's not available in audio yet um so, <laughs> <laughs> but I know who's being cast uh, uh -huh. I can kind of hear it in my head but to be able to actually hear it and play off that must be really cool yeah, yeah. oh it is it is yeah and it and I don't know. Some I I try to see it from a listener's point of view as much as I can. And obviously listeners have very different likes and they like just very different narrators for different reasons and they hate narrators for different reasons. But um I've listened to plenty of uh dual perspective or dual narrations and the guy isn't doing the girl's voice really even that close and the girl isn't doing his voice that close but it's I'm I'm still picturing the same person when they're when they're each doing their own character voices or they're having their cadence, and I know that they're different people performing them. So I, it doesn't. I don't know. I guess it just doesn't bother me. Um, I don't think it really ever has. That if if one doesn't exactly match the other or even come that close. Yeah, I have the filter of I know that the girls doing all the girl stuff and the boys doing all the boy stuff, and they're going to try. Right. The biggest yeah. pet peeve of mine is when it's obvious that they did not speak to each other. And one of the characters has like a Cajun accent when she does yeah, it, dude. but not when he does it. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going, oh, yeah. oopsie, that's a lack of communication right there. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, one of the companies that um, a lot of us work for a lot, uh, when they send out emails for, um, for when you're recording in a dual style, They'll say, don't do any heavy accents unless it's absolutely called for or you've discussed it with your co-narrator. Because, yeah, you run into situations like that. <laughs> yeah. That's when it's, it's a little hard to kind of keep things in your head as far as being able to, you know, yeah. be okay with it. But other than that, I have, I think people are now starting to get used to more of the duets. And I think that's when people tend to have a bit more of the issue. But once they get into it, it's one of those they fall in love with it. So I'm really hoping that more authors and narrators get the opportunity to do it that way. I do too. I really want to do it, do it. It's just, it is so much more expensive to produce too. So, and obviously right now it's not like a lot of us can get together. Yeah, that's true. And Zoom helps a little bit, but I know there's a little bit of a difference with being in the same room versus being on camera. And yeah, definitely. out that way. Well, yeah, and timing, if there's any lag, you know, in the, in the video. Mm -hmm, that's true. 
concerned. Well, hopefully things will get better sooner so you guys can all get into state into the studios and start recording. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. Yeah. Romance is one of the many genres that are out there, but even within romance, I tend to call it like an umbrella term mm -hmm. in a sense that there's a bunch of different subgenres within romance. Do you have a favorite to perform? The, my favorite to perform, it's a, difficult to describe because it, I don't know that it has a, a name for it. Um, I really like snarky girls and I like girls who are just batshit crazy and out there and they have a lot of inner monologue. Not, you know, not actually crazy, but they just, they're just nutty and you, you would want to be friends with them. Yeah. And they're, and they've got a lot of personality and inner monologues to me are the most fun. <laughs> so, um, so definitely things that are funny, but even if they're not super funny, then just with a character that has an attitude. So I would definitely say something more comedic first person where the girl is just really fun to play and well-written. Yes. Yeah, so that's a lot of maybe rom-com a little bit more. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I didn't want to, I didn't want to use that because Jason said that in the interview I listened to. So I didn't want to do exactly what he did. No, you're but when he was doing it, I was just like, actually, that's what my answer to. Yeah. <laughs> um, but also I've done a couple of sci-fi um, series that are, that are romance and those I'm a huge sci-fi geek and I absolutely love sci-fi anything. So I've had one that I'm actually about to do the last two books on. And I think we've done like 16 books and they're, oh, wow. they're finally wrapping up the series. So yeah, that was, that was fun. Post-apocalyptic, you know, fighting aliens kind of thing. You mentioned that you also listen to audiobooks. What is your favorite genre to listen slash read for you for pleasure? You know, I tend to listen to, well, that's a good question because um, I tend to listen to narrators more than I listen to genres. And, um, it, 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 for instance, there might be like a cozy mystery that I might not go for normally, but if a narrator that I love is doing it, I'll be like, oh, okay, let's give it a shot. And then suddenly I freaking love that book because they did such a great job telling the story. Um, I do listen to a lot of like epic fantasy and sci-fi. Um, I'm a big fan of, of several narrators that, that I think are phenomenal. And I do, I like YA, but Hunger Games, not Fault in Our Stars. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, <laughs> like dystopian, that I feel like I'm sort of describing the same genre, if, if that makes sense. But it's, uh, yeah, sci-fi, dystopian, YA, Hunger Games. If I could have anything in the world, I would have loved to have done Hunger Games. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that we, you know, you tend to follow more the narrator versus the author. And that's something too, that's been happening a lot lately, where mm -hmm. even with myself, if I've read genres that I would probably never have picked up, if it wasn't for the fact that someone, one of the narrators that I love, or I know would have done a really good job is now doing that. And that's yep. happened. Even same thing, even with the authors, I probably would have never picked up anything from that author if it wasn't for the narrator. So that's something that yeah. has been very beneficial for a lot of different categories for people so it's always fun to kind of have that conversation but it's not the first time someone has said that when i've asked them a favorite genre they're like well i like the narrator and i'm going ah okay you're yeah. my people yeah well but the other thing is too that if um if i really love the writing of a book that i've listened to but another narrator that i don't care for so much it does the next book i'll if i like the writing enough i'll pick up the book to just read like actual read <laughs> so, so that too. introduces me to a lot of yeah that introduces me to a lot of um authors as well 
Is there a genre that, that you have yet to narrate that you'd like to do? Oh, man. <laughs> I should have been able to think about this. Um, oh, God, I'm, I'm trying to think of every genre in the world, and that's really tough, too. I, I mean, I feel like I've done the spectrum, but probably not the exact genre that I want, which is YA dystopian. I, I, but I probably haven't. I just don't remember. Oh man, I've done it. I've, I've just crossed uh, 250 books a little while ago. So there are times where I'd be like, wait, did I read that or did I narrate that? I think I might have narrated that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't yeah. know, the story sounds really familiar. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting how our brains kind of function that way. I have a, um, a girl on, online that we're friends with on social media and she literally has an Excel spreadsheet and it's color-coded and everything because there's just so many books that she's listened to and wants to listen to it. There's no way of keeping track of everything. So she'll do it via that Excel spreadsheet. And it's like, I'm jealous of it. I'm like, can I borrow that? You know, not my stuff because there's just so many of them out there. And I know that with you having done close to 250 or more at this point, um, it, it's, it can be difficult to kind of keep track of that. Yeah. I have to look at my audible list most of the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, I would, the, the thing that I would love to do that I've never gotten to do, here we go. But I, it's basically exactly what I explained about my favorite thing, my favorite genre. But um, there are several authors who write what I would consider to be like the absolute perfect book that I would love to narrate, but it's always at a male perspective. So guys always do it. So I just want an author to write a snarky, fun, um, you know, superhero-ish, but not quite like Ready Player One, but for a woman. Hmm. That's what I want. But they're just sci-fi stuff that, you know, in that specific sort of dystopian sci-fi category that is really humorous doesn't exist for women. And if it does, then somebody please tell me because I, I haven't seen it. Well, maybe one of our listeners will be able to tell you if there is one out there, or maybe an author will be like, "Ooh, I've always wanted." Yeah. To, oh, dude, know? I yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I Ready Player One is one of my favorite books ever. In fact, if you uh, have read it, you might recognize my name because I got my name from Ready Player One. Mm. Um, yeah, and uh, and I'm, I mean, I've told everybody who will listen that if Andy, wait, Ernest Klein, wait. Yes, Ernest Klein, because Martian is it was another one of my favorites, which I would also love to do something like that. But um, but Ernest Klein, I'm like, I really hope he writes another book, but from Artemis's perspective, and I get to do the narration. But that'll never happen. Never know. Maybe someone else would write yeah. something better, you know? I would, oh, dude, if I could get anything like that, I would be such a happy camper. Well, like I said, we have our listeners, who knows? <laughs> more, yeah, we'll definitely have something and send out those vibes. Um, yeah, there's a lot of different aspects to narrating, but what is your favorite part of narrating romance? Oh, you know, I've thought about this a lot recently um, because I'm in a relationship now. And I, I mean, I was single for a long time and we've been together for a while, but in almost every, I feel like in every single romance, but probably not every single one, but most of them, there is something deeply profound that's written about love and relationships and how, you know, how to make a relationship work. Um, and it's, you know, in the midst of this kind of silly plotline, maybe, 
but something like I, I'll get to it and I'll, I mean, I cry a lot when I narrate. So I try, I try to, I try to cut out the like actual sobbing, but you know, keep the emotion if I need to. Um, but it'll, it'll make me tear up if I, if I see the right passage. And so many times I want to show it to my boyfriend going, this is perfect. This is so us. Um, and he had never done a romance. So he never saw that element of romance until he did his first one. And he came upstairs that day and we were having a discussion. He goes, you know what? I just learned this in the romance. You know, this, this was just talked about the romance that I just did. And he tells me something and I'm like, this is how I feel every day. That something comes up in a romance book that I think that is absolutely like so relevant to a situation that I'm in right now. And it, it just, it, you know, something that makes it so worth reading too. Like if that, th those, those passages and those thoughts and philosophy about love, it, you wouldn't have seen that particular way of, of putting it if you hadn't read that book. And I'm often really grateful that I got to read it because, you know, I wouldn't have seen that otherwise. Yeah. It's, it's, it opens up a lot of opportunities for communicating and having a, a more open mind and because sometimes when we're in relationships especially when you've been with someone for a long time the concept of they should know this by now or yeah. if they don't know me you know that well and, yep. like that. and but people continue to grow and evolve and change and it's the importance of kind of growing up and uh, but not apart and sometimes when you see these romances you're going ah yep I, I completely agree with you. And it's really great being able to see, you know, and I know a woman is writing a lot of it and it's, you know, they're writing a male perspective too, but they do their research. And it's really fun getting to see the, the guy's POV when they're having some, you know, conflict. Mm -hmm. and, you th and you think, oh, yeah, I guess, because it's so, so much about expectations. And then you kind of have to be reminded sometimes, oh, yeah, he can't read my mind. Yeah. So it's, and, <laughs> but, and romance is really good for that. Romance is really good for, yeah, just making you go kind of reevaluate your behavior sometimes and go, oh, I might need to be a little nicer. Or just be able to share <laughs> what I want, whether it's yes. what I want for dinner, um, what I want to do this weekend, or other things in other areas that I would like to try out. Yeah. Because it's, it's something too that times we tend to grow up with these expectations, whether it's because of the example of our parents and our families or what we've been through in the past and what we continue to grow. And then these books can be really good. And I know that a lot of the narrators have mentioned similar to this. And even some of the guys were like, yeah, it's amazing when I started narrating romance, the stuff that I learned. <laughs> yeah. Well, and about yeah. sex, frankly. Of course, so yeah. I should probably say like the really hot sex scenes are really fun to narrate too. And I learned a lot about a lot of different kinds of sex when I started doing, uh, mm -hmm. narrating romance. In fact, before I started narrating romance, um, I should say my very first romance book, it was a very good practice book because <laughs> it wasn't very good. Uh, and when it got to the sex scene, I didn't know that they were as graphic as they were. This is obviously way out there now, but this is several years ago. And I knew like Fifty Shades was out there, but I thought that was kind of a very limited subgenre. And then when I got to the sex scene in the book that I had accepted without really looking at it, and there was just like lots of cocks and all sorts of things, I, I was just giggling the entire freaking time in my closet, which I used to record in. I was just giggling. I could not get through a sentence. So yeah, it's been definitely been a learning process. 
Yeah, definitely. It's something that people have said that they've learned that they might be interested in doing certain things in the bedroom or in other locations that that might um, that is <laughs> that is very accurate. Yeah, that is very accurate. Things mm-hmm. that I would not have thought sexy before, and even maybe in the middle of the book, I was like, oh god. And then somehow it creeps into my mind, and I'm like, oh, it's actually really sexy. Um, yeah, it's it's been it's been very eye opening for sure. Something, some things that I never thought I would have been interested in. But even some of the things when it comes down to, you're not the only one that might find that sexy or right. they may want to do something like a, a, like, a, like a scavenger hunt for a date, you know? I'm like, oh, that's right. You know, something that I wanted to do and it's, now it's in the book. So I know I'm not the only one. Yeah. There are a lot of things in books that, that make you realize that you're not the only one. So I know that you're working a lot lately, but when you're not working, what do you do for fun? Well, I used to go to the gym every day. Not doing that right now. Um, I have become an epic crafter, and I never thought I would say that about myself in a million trillion years. But what I do for fun is I make cards right now and candles, which I'm planning on starting a business in. But right now, my obsession is making cards. I don't have enough people to send cards to right now because I have so many freaking cards. I, 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 yeah, I'm right before you and I got on the call, I uh-huh. was, I was uh, working on some art. I was working on some alcohol ink art to go in front of a card because it's just oh. fun. It's so much fun learning different techniques and stuff. It's, it's absolutely fascinating. And I, I would have thought it was beyond boring before I started doing it. But I'm also like, I get really obsessive about a hobby and then I completely forget about it. So who knows? I've, I've spent a, just a ridiculous, re- ridiculous amount of money on supplies and I don't even have room for them in my apartment so I don't even I have no idea what I'm going to do with it <laughs> what was that other thing that you mentioned besides the card that you were doing too the cameo did I say um, did oh I no candles candles, candles. Ooh, candles. I make candles yeah candles yeah. Are nice. yeah yeah I've been I've been making candles for a couple of years and um I'm I'm very I'm in the midst of selecting scents right now to start actually selling um, because I want it to be a luxury candle line that is custom. Every scent is custom and I don't want to smell like anybody else. And I want it to be like as awesome as humanly possible. And for somebody to think, oh my God, this is like the best candle I've ever smelled. Um, and that's a high bar to set to, to reach. Um, so I'm, uh, I've got all of that with me right now where I'm quarantining and I am constantly smelling stuff and putting things together and making test candles and throwing them away because they really didn't work <laughs> at some point I will actually start to sell them my sister loves candles we make fun of her sometimes because she'll be like starting to look at a candle and I'm going back away from the candle <laughs> and then the, and but you brought up a good point because then I go are you looking at that candle because of the color the container or the smell <laughs> yeah, that's yeah and then the question is yeah, if it's I, the smell yeah. do you already have it <laughs> <laughs> I love regular candles and especially for atmosphere in a party or something, but scented candles when you're hanging out and, and watching something or just relaxing can, oh, can just change your entire mood. Yes. Um, I like, and they can be so good. And yeah, I started making them. People started liking them and I was like, actually, I think I could maybe do something with this. Well, you let me know when you start. I will. I like the smell of like like the minty and the eucalyptus ones. So those are nice and relaxing. But there's also sometimes where you're like, you get a smell and you're, you can't describe it. And I'm going, smells like man, but like good man, you know, yeah, like sexy man. man. <laughs> yeah. And the, the majority of mine are, are um, 
um, are unisex, like they're, they're more androgynous, like it's not male or female, because I tend to like men's cologne a little bit more than I might like a, a woman's perfume, because I don't like flowery stuff. Me too. Um, yeah. So I, you know, I try to, I try to get a male without fully being like, you know, gross men's cologne or, or, you know, body wash. <laughs> Definitely keep me posted when you start doing that. I'd love to check those out. I yeah, I will. Do you go, do you have like go-to snacks and cocktails that keep you sane during these moments when you're in the booth for a long period of time? Um, I will tell you what I most look forward to when I finish. And that is pouring myself a glass of wine uh, or making an old fashioned and having cheese because most people cannot have cheese or dairy products when they're narrating uh, because it makes your throat kind of, I don't know how to describe it without making it sound gross, but it, it makes it harder to sort of enunciate and get out certain words because yeah. um, you get all sort of clogged up back there. So I, I love cheese. And so my, but the thing that I look forward to most and like keeps me going when I know I have a couple more chapters to do and I really want to take a break is cheese. But during, no, I'm always searching for the right snack, right food to have during because I'm constantly starving when I'm narrating. You don't want those stomach noises to start overtaking the, the audio. <laughs> that is, that is, that is a problem. And that's when I definitely take a break. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like a five-year-old with my diet. So I like, you know, cookies and, and donuts and stuff. It makes no sense because I used to be a fitness model, but that's how I was eating men too. It just happened to work for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, as long as you enjoy it. Um, so I have to ask because I... They call me like a little mouse because I love cheese. What's your favorite type of cheese? Well, I have the absolute favorite product that I buy that I eat constantly, and that is honey goat cheese from Trader Joe's. It is the best stuff on earth. It is like crack. Every time I bring it to a party, it's the first thing that disappears. Um, and I have it right in front of me right now. I will start eating it as soon as you know I get off the phone. Um, and um, But other than that, I love brie and I love soft cheeses like that. And I like combining them with different things. I haven't ventured into a whole lot of the softer cheeses because I have to do more like the like Gouda, like the regular Gouda oh, is my favorite. Okay. And um, and I'll do like the cheddars and the different types of so that kind of like the harder cheeses and Parmesan. But I'm I'm trying to mm -hmm. expand my cheese repertoire for things like that. So I'm always curious. The honey goat cheese. If you if you have a Trader Joe's around you, the honey goat cheese is a really small package, and I don't know a single person who doesn't love it. Oh, I'm gonna go try that out. I do have a so if you don't like it, then you can, you can, you know, pawn it off on somebody else, but it is a really <laughs> small package. And it, for me, it goes really quickly. I can go through a whole package in a day. Yeah. I've been finding that I've been doing a lot more of those different types of cheeses in smaller quantities or individually wrapped mm -hmm. packages for, and which I love because that way I can feel better about trying something and not liking it. I can g give yeah. it to someone in the family or like if I, my sister likes it or something like that, you know, like, here you go. Yeah. I like it because I'm five. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. When you said that you like a five year, I'm going. Oh, we're gonna be like the best of friends. So do I. <laughs> I know. I know. Crazy. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, but no, it's good. I'm gonna have to try that out, and I'll let you know how that works out. Um, Please tell me. <laughs> yes, yeah, sure. Put it on. Put it on a crisp cracker, mm -hmm. not bread. This isn't a bready one. This is more of a crisp, like a cracker, or even like, like. A, a toasted round of bread or something, but definitely 
I would get a cracker. So more like a crispy thingy. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, you know, it's already soft. One of the things that I love doing with my guests um, towards the end of the episode is playing a game. And um, lately we've been doing the whole, would you rather? Okay. Would you rather always be 10 minutes late or always 20 minutes early? 10 minutes late. Would you rather know the history of every object you touch or be able to talk to animals? Talk to animals. I already knew before, before you finished it that I was going to go with the second option. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a lot of the same thing. Yeah, it's been, it's a, like I said, it can be interesting kind of a game. Um, yeah. Would you rather be able to teleport anywhere or be able to read minds? Oh, man, that's a tough one. I'm, I want to say teleport. Um, because I want to be able to fly. So yeah. uh, like, I actually want to be able to physically fly like Superman. So I, I, that's the closest thing to <laughs> it. Yeah. Of those two choices. Yep. I, you know what? I think reading minds would be really, really hard because then you're bombarded with thoughts you really don't want to be hearing. Would you rather never have to clean a bathroom again or never have to do dishes again? Bathroom. Everybody says the same thing. I think I've had one <laughs> that says they would rather not do the dishes. But yeah, uh, yeah, so much, such a more pleasant job. Would you rather be able to control fire or water? Water. Would you rather be invisible or be fast? Fast. Would you rather live a low life with your loved one or a rich life all alone? Uh, what was the first option? Uh, live a low life with your loved one okay. or a rich life all alone? Well, I mean, I have to say the, the one with my loved one, mm -hmm. but I mean, I wouldn't mind a combo. <laughs> <laughs> True. I mean, I get it. So sometimes these questions can be a bit vague. I'm like, I never said you're going to be dirt poor. I just said that you may not be able to do yeah. a luxury, you know, jet plane yeah. or whatever. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, you know, definitely. I, I'm, I'm, yes, I, I could not foresee cho choosing something other than being with my boyfriend. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Would you rather always be hot or always be cold? Cold. All right. That's I hate being cold, but you can always add clothes. You cannot take Thank it off. Thank you. Once you're naked. Thank you. I say the exact same thing. People have said, yeah. cold, you know, they want to be hot and I'm going, you know, you can always bundle, but you can get naked. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. There is, well, you there's could. only so much you can, right. But, right. <laughs> yeah. you know, so yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, yeah, I, I, I grew up in Minnesota, so uh -huh. I have a lot of experience there. Oh gosh. That's a, with hot right. and cold. Oh my goodness. It's Florida. I'm a born and raised Florida girl. So I'm like, I'd rather be cold. I oh, I can only imagine. Yeah. If I were you, I would be the same way. Mm -hmm. Winter in LA is the most fun time ever. It's so fun being cold here. Well, it's interesting too, because even though I'm a native Floridian, I, because I have traveled up north to, like, for example, Boston and Connecticut in the middle of January, um, I know what true cold is um, versus, you know, the yeah. 65 degrees here that it gets. And people are like, in yeah, shows and, and like deep jackets. And I'm going like in shorts and a shirt and they're looking at me like I'm weird. And I'm going <laughs> yeah. it's 65 degrees people come on. <laughs> it's not exactly. that cold. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I, I know the feeling I was home for Christmas one year and it never got above zero. It never got above 10 below zero the entire time I was home. Yeah. It was the majority of the days were in the teens below zero. Oh my goodness. 
It's like perfect timing for a blanket, yeah, a it's fire, not, and a book. It's not <laughs> right. Yes, it's not every year like that. Yeah, uh, it was one year, and it was it was awful. It was a bad year. <laughs> Would you rather tell everyone your guilty pleasures or never partake in any of your guilty pleasures ever again? Oh, tell everybody for sure. And I probably would anyway. <laughs> All right, last one. Would you rather have a personal chef or a personal masseuse? Chef. That was easy. Chef, for sure. <laughs> Food. No, because I, I mean, I would love the personal masseuse, but I feel like that's actually not as hard as getting a personal chef. Because I know people who have like masseuses who come over a lot. Yeah. Um, and uh and i love i love like really being experimental with food even though i i like donuts <laughs> doesn't make <laughs> sense but i i love trying new things and i i can only cook like two things well so i would rather have somebody cook for me all the time and be able to try awesome food and always have good food versus the occasions when i go out to a really nice restaurant or i happen to make something that tastes good because <laughs> that's not going to guarantee well, I'm on, on, I'm on the flip side where if I had to choose between the two of them, I would still choose a chef, even though I have my degree in culinary arts. I can easily oh. come up with a menu plan for a party, for, you know, cocktail hours, for a wedding. I know exactly what the menu is going to look like. Meal planning at home, however, oh my God. That is like the bane yeah. of my existence. I am useless. I am absolutely useless. I'm the one that would be like, you know what? I'm done. Cereal and milk. That's what we're having. Yeah. yeah. Oh God. Yeah. I, I wish I could get away with that more often here. I swear because mm -hmm. I usually make dinner here because I'm the woman apparently. Um, and, um, <laughs> and, um, it just, it just happens that way. Yeah. He, he occasionally throws something in the microwave. I wish, because if it were just me, I would, I would have like, you know, four little things that I, that I got out of the fridge that was kind of, you know, this one thing that will last me four days. But now, that's an entire meal because we have to share it. And I, I normally I would just have these itty bitty little things and I would sort of spread my dinner across the entire evening and just have it in front of me all night. Um, yeah, I, I, I would love to just have cereal something. Well, I'm also the girl that can do the cheese and crackers for dinner. Oh God. Yeah. Oh God. And yeah. I get the look sometimes of like, no, we want dinner. And I'm going, that is dinner. <laughs> if you yeah. want something. How is that not dinner? Exactly. That's it's dinner. <laughs> It's two major food groups, and yes. if you add like um like some sort of big jam, that's mm -hmm. fruit, yep. and then if you add like like prosciutto, then that's meat. Hi, that's a meal. Exactly, I've done that. Yeah, there's a, <laughs> they looked at me like and go, listen, this or cereal and milk. <laughs> Choose. I have I have cheese and crackers for dinner all the yeah, time, same. and a lot of that is because sometimes I eat so much cheese and I'm not hungry for dinner. Yeah. <laughs> no, I hear you. It's just sometimes also it's good when it's something that you really like. It's just one of those. Yeah, I will crave to have some like you know piece chunks of gouda and some crackers or you know a, yeah. a crusty bread that's nice and warm, some butter and cheese. I'm like yes, and I get the. I was looks. just gonna say that because that is another one of my favorite meals that people think I'm crazy because of is toasted French bread that I I put some olive oil on a plate and and uh, some fresh Parmesan cheese that's that's been grated. And I'll dip the, the bread in the olive oil and cheese. And yep. that is one of my favorite things. Me too. Same. In the world. Like 90% of the time when I'm in an Italian restaurant, that's what I would want more than anything on the menu. Yes. 
I've had to remind myself not to get full on stuff like that. Yeah, I know. Well, I'm always just bitter. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you can just charge me for this because this is all I'm eating. Because <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to order anything else. This is all I want. See, we have so much in common. It's so funny. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, before we go, can you share uh, what you're currently working on now or what's coming out next? Again, knowing this is going to be in June. Um. I think one of my, uh, the book I'm working on right now is up for pre-sale. So I think that is okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a book by um, Macy Yates, uh, which is not M-A-C-Y, but M-A-I-S-I-E. Um, and it's a series about cowboys and it takes place in Oregon. And it's um, like many, many families have been involved now and lots of couples have gotten together. Um, so I'm in the middle of, it's called um, Hero of Hope Spring. Coming up, I don't know if I can tell you about a couple more of them because I don't know if they've been announced yet. Um, or you can share if you're, are there cowboys involved? Are there shifters? Um. <laughs> okay, good good question. Good question. Okay, that was, that was a good suggestion is what I meant. Um, I've got one coming up that is... Uh, based on this is one of my favorite things to do is based on pride and prejudice so there's a guy named darcy in it i've already done one of these so i'm not i, I could be talking about a lot of books mm-hmm. um and it's all french accents which is crazy that every single character is going to have a french accent which i think might be a little bit obnoxious i should have turned my sound off i usually do have my sound off sorry about that um and uh and the next one after that also fun one Oh my gosh, I am so excited about it's not a romance. Can I tell you about a not romance that I'm doing? Yeah. It is about a serial killer who's a woman. She lives like a normal life during the day and then goes off at night. And I I don't know what happens because I haven't seen the script yet, but I've seen the the description and it's a thriller. And I just have I just have wanted to do something like that for a long time. So I'm so jazzed about that but i also have one that's coming up with it which is shifter tons of russian accents oh wow i can't remember in what order those happen but yeah i'll be doing russian a lot and then i'll be doing french a lot or the other way around and you know what's funny is russian can easily go into french and vice versa huh yeah they if they they sound they sound somewhat alike if if, uh, yeah if you listen to it the right way yeah, I think I was going to say, if you go lighter on the Russian a little bit and a little bit more sing-song, then it becomes a little bit yeah. more French. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I thought of it, yeah. but yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, there are some there are some similarities in the R's and um, not, well, not really the R's because Russians kind of tap their R's, but um, kind of in the, like, you know, uh, what would be a good word in French? Um, I can't even think of one. I speak French and I can't think of one, but kind of like the, <laughs> like the, huh? you know, sound in your, that you make it in the back of your, back of your throat, that happens a lot in Russian too. So there's, yeah, there's a lot of similarities. And actually randomly, there's a lot of similarities between Russian and um, Scottish. And I can do Russian and French, but still have the mental block about Scottish. It's true because it all kind of goes around the same, like the, the building blocks of a lot of the languages in Europe are similar if not almost the same and then things get you know divided and conquered um and so that's where it kind of comes from to play so i, I yeah. can totally see that yeah, it's why i can understand italian because i know spanish <laughs> so yeah 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 
yeah that um knowing any uh any romance language is so helpful to understand any other romance language they all kind of work the same english is the only one that's completely messed up yeah doesn't surprise me <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness well they all all these books that you're working on sound really really excited i'm i'm glad that um hopefully between now and when this will air some other ones have popped up on audible and we'll make sure to include those in there and i'm looking forward to listening to those so Thank, thank you. you. Yeah. So thank you, Samantha, for being my guest for this year's Audiobook Love. And this has been lots of fun. Thank you. I agree. And you're welcome. And thank you for asking me. And until next time, happy listenings. Thank you. Thank you for joining us in the Audiobook Lovin' series, hosted by Viviana, Enchantress of Books. We hope you have enjoyed this episode, as well as the series. We've included audio samples of our guests' work within the post for you to check out. Please make sure to visit the main page, link within the post, to learn more about the series, the authors, and the narrators. Please consider leaving a review wherever you listen to the series if you enjoyed today's episode. Make sure to follow us on our social media platforms and subscribe to the Viviana Enchantress of Books newsletter. Until next time, happy listening. Audiobook Lovin' hopes you've enjoyed this program. 